0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well,
1: listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably.
0: Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know?
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: I honestly had no idea about the connection between over-drinking and ADHD until we started this podcast.
1: About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD.
0: Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might, or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast.
1: It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based
0: information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf.
1: Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of
0: your life – from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain.
1: And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great, perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you.
2: Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages, you'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon?
1: Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety. The good, the bad, the ugly and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober.
2: Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway.
1: Where is he? I don't know. He just went outside. He's going to go and check on his car. There's a massive storm out there. But well, he hasn't come back. No, he hasn't come back. We've lost Alan. Oh no! We need Alan. Alan! Alan! Fucking hell, Alan, are you all right? <laughs> oh bit of a storm out there, little was bit, there? A little bit damp out there. Are you all right, mate? fuck's sake. <laughs> oh <dear. laughs> He's back to himself again. A bit rainy out there by the looks of you, Alan. Dear, oh dear, hope you're all right.
2: I thought you might be in a better mood today.
1: Yeah, why? Yeah, because I thought you might be happy about the amount of downloads we've been having, Lucy. Oh, he don't give a shit, does no, he? he doesn't give a shit, does he?
2: All he <laughs> can't worry about is his stupid car in the driveway. Yeah, he's worried about hail damage and getting home. Yeah. So we can have a beer. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh dear. So yeah, yeah here but, we are again, Lucy Lou. Yeah, let's talk about those downloads. Yes, yeah, so we've had thousands. Yeah, over two thousand, I think. So, with the feedback, has been amazing so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm uh, overwhelmed really by it. Um, I think a lot of it's down to you, Vic. You've been sharing it on your platforms, which is really, really good. I
1: think it's all down to you,
2: Lucy. Oh, oh, well, yeah. We're so good to each other. But um, no, I mean, we've had some amazing responses, actually, which have been really
1: heartening and lovely to read. It makes it all worthwhile. I had one message from a lady this week who said she had to stop on the beach because she was laughing with joy and sadness. She was happy because it was funny and it brightened her day and she felt to such connection with us and that it, she was pleased that there are people out there just like her and that's exactly why we do yeah, this, it isn't is. it, Lucy? Yeah, it is exactly why. Right. and didn't you
2: get that one where you were, your heart sank because you thought you were going to get a complaint because oh, yeah. <laughs> someone yeah.
1: was Someone Instagram about something. says, I'm really angry with you. I was like, oh my God, what have I done What now? have I done this yeah. time? <laughs> and she said, I'm really angry with you for only making three podcasts so far. When's the fourth one coming out? So there's been loads of that this week so we're really excited and also we've um, proudly in association with Hello, Sunday morning this week we've connected up with them I've got a good relationship with them they're a sort of um company in Australia that help people with their relationship with alcohol so for more on Hello Sunday morning um go to their website which is hellosundaymorning.org they have an amazing app called the Daybreak app which anyone struggling with their alcohol can Can download yeah it's absolutely brilliant so we're pleased to be in association with hello sunday morning from now on yeah and we particularly like them because they offer everything for free like we do as well so purely out there to help people yeah and they're government funded as well so yeah definitely on the same level as us lucy we appreciate that free help that's what it's all about yeah
2: and that's what got me through i found some free help and and that that's what got me sober really so it it feels good to give back i
1: forgot to tell you i've got a bill for you lucy
2: (laughs) I mean, you didn't even pay for my dinner earlier. There no, I, I was didn't. waiting, <laughs> yeah. and then you asked me for twenty dollar note.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> sorry about that. I didn't think you'd notice. I actually paid for the whole thing. Aww. Anyway, well, look, we um, we were actually talking about
2: sort of funny, not funny drinking stories, weren't we, while we were having dinner earlier? We were
1: because and- I, to- I was telling Lucy about I was talking to a mate of mine in England and. Uh, we were talking about a time when I had gone out um dressed as an underwater bond girl to a party. It was a bond themed party. I wore a wetsuit with uh you know with snorkel and mask and a dagger like taped on my leg. I can see it now already. And everyone, all the other girls me. were dressed up as like Bond girls <laughs> looking really beautiful. And I turned up like this kind of like frog man. Did you have flippers on? <laughs> yeah, had flippers on and everything. That would have yeah. been hard after a few yeah. drinks. Everybody else looked gorgeous. I mean, I was raving on a stage in, in the snorkel at some point in the evening. That was kind of like when I came out of a blackout. Funny, not funny? Funny, not funny. And so me and my friend were talking about it and I was laughing and saying, oh, do you remember when we went out? And I was on that nightclub stage in a... Fr- in flippers and flippers a, and, a you know, a snorkel mask. And then I said, Okay, oh, yeah, I, I remember going into a blackout and then sort of coming to as somebody in an apartment that I was trying to get into where I'd forgotten where the house party was, was pouring a bucket of water over my head. And that's sort of where I popped out of my blackout and went, oh, my God, where am I? And then went back into a blackout and didn't realise where I'd been until I got the photos back, like three weeks later, which obviously had to go to Snappy Snaps yes. in those days. <laughs>
0: They just to send off, off yeah. your
1: reel of film, oh, old yes. school. Yeah, And I remember getting the photos back loose and thinking, God, I, d- I couldn't really remember what happened that night and going, oh, my God, and looking at them and there's a photo of me standing on a street soaking wet because of the bucket of water and I'm standing with a policeman and he has a clenched fist like he wants to punch me. (laughs) And I have absolutely no recollection of it whatsoever. So what I reminded me that story, I was laughing about it, but then I actually had a moment of sobriety, clarity, where I went, actually, is that story funny? Like, is it funny that I was outside someone's house, rapping on the door, waking everybody up, and them hating me so much that they poured water on my head? And I remember always those nights started off with me being pretending to be a good drinker so that I would have good intentions and I would promise myself that I would be going out for one and end up in situations like that. And that's so often the way, isn't it? And I mean, the reality is that you were
2: probably a few minutes away and a few actions away from getting arrested that night. Absolutely. Not was, funny.
1: Not funny. Definitely funny. Funny, not funny. Nah. Funny, just not, not funny. funny. No. I was definitely probably. I may have even been arrested, Lucy, to be honest. I don't remember. <laughs> the policeman was looking pretty
2: angry with me and his fist was clenched. But I'm sure at the time it was funny. Everyone was laughing and you were sort of the one making everybody laugh. And, you know, it just. Yeah. That was the way it was. But it is isn't really all that cool is it and yeah you did go out with your wetsuit and your (laughs) your mask and snorkel and your flippers trying to be perfectly normal and have just one drink Mm. but clearly that didn't happen that night and it never really did happen at all for you or I did it no we're not
1: one drink people we just couldn't do it so that's (laughs) what we're talking about today it's we're talking about, we're calling it the moderation pixie, aren't we, Lucy? Yeah, and that will make sense. Good intentions that don't last. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm guessing most people who have found this
2: podcast, or however many thousands of them, <laughs> yeah. are like us, Vic. People that, once they start, have massive issues locating the stop button – We're the ones that mean to stay for a couple and end up staggering around the town at 3am with a saveloy in our top pocket. We never meant to get that pissed, but we always, without fail, did. So why are some people programmed to keep going and others can stop? Is it trauma-related, science-based, or just that our inhibitions have been soaked up by that first drink? Are some people more prone to heavy drinking than others? And why are we so mean to ourselves every time we fail? I'm not sure.
1: I don't know why we both failed at moderation for years, Lucy. Why were we such reliable over-drinkers? Was moderation a total myth for us? Or is there something in our brains that makes us this way? In this podcast, we're going to tell you about our epic failures to moderate, how they made us feel, the methods we used to try to be sensible drinkers, We've even done a bit of research and share some science. We got our encyclopedias out, didn't we, Lucy? We did. Our Encyclopedia Britannica, Yes. Did. <laughs> did some science. The volumes. The volumes yes. The booze volumes. <laughs> did some science research around moderation, which will help you understand that some people are more prone to overdrink than others. But most importantly, we'll talk about how our failed attempts at moderation were actually motivating us to get sober. And once the penny finally dropped we realised that moderation was a complete myth for us. Everything changed. Keep listening as you'll see that failing a moderation doesn't have to be a bad thing. It might be the beginning of something brilliant.
2: So join us as we delve a little deeper or a lot deeper into the reasons why good intentions get elbowed out the way after just one drink and why everything in moderation does not include booze. Well, not for us, anyway. And probably not for you if you're listening. (laughs) We hope that our own experiences with failing at moderation might mean your experience doesn't have to be so long and painful. Mm -hmm. So... We've got some really good talking points. In fact, we've got way too many. We're going to have to try really hard to fit everything into our podcast this evening. I mean,
1: we do like to chat, Lucy and I, (laughs) don't we? (laughs) We could go on about this stuff forever. I do find it fascinating, though, all the reasons why we are who we are. And I actually find it even
2: more fascinating that by talking to one another about it, we're helping people.
1: Yeah. And we're learning ourselves as yeah. well. It's like a, it's part of our journey, this podcast as well, because we we are definitely learning. I mean, looking up things, scientific facts about moderation and stuff, it, I do find it very, very interesting. Mm, yeah, and I—I I mean, funnily enough, actually, because the first thing we're going to talk about is
2: like what moderation looked like for both of us, or, yeah. or what our attempts of moderation looked was like it? for
1: us. What was it for you, Lucy? What was your attempts at moderation? How—how how did that go? <laughs> not well. Yeah, <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> okay, twenty-five years
2: drinking, and realistically, probably about fifteen to twenty years trying to moderate long bloody time trying to do something and failing all the time um, and i think when I was talking in the introduction then I, I referenced the stop button and I always that that is what it is for me i was i was born without my stop button um you know I, I was just missing it because i do not know how to stop when I get started and i bet that lots of people listening will resonate with that um to me and I know you're the same fix we were just talking about it earlier i don't I, I've got every right intention. When I haven't had a drink, my, my brain is is thinking all the right things. My intentions are really good. It takes one drink for everything to change in my head. Um, and it's, it's crazy how differently you can think in that short time that it takes to drink one drink. Um, <clears throat> we actually... Funnily enough, because I do read my quit Lit, that's what it's called, isn't it, Vic? Quick Literature, yeah. Yeah, which is all the sobriety books. And I'm actually reading Alcohol Explained at the moment by William Porter. Last night, in fact, I was reading a chapter, just opening the book now, which is called I'd Rather Have No Drinks Than Just One or Two, which is just incredible that I was reading that the night before we are going to do this podcast. But basically, um, to to make short of what he says, because if you've got a science mind, you'll love this book because it tells you what alcohol does to you. it put you off it for life. So it's a good book to have and keep referencing.
1: Yeah, maybe we could reference the book I read last night, Where Is The Green Sheep?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you think that would help? That might help if it was green. They'd drunk too much? Yeah, it's sick. Yeah, it passed out. <laughs> <laughs> passed out behind the bush. Yeah, thanks for that. Anyway, yeah. that's really going to help us. At least we
1: now know what you read last night. Yeah. Saw the level of my brain at that time of night with the children, <laughs> and that was
2: without a drink.
1: Yeah, that was without children. <laughs>
2: But anyway, can I go back? Sorry, Lucy. I I was just amazed that I was reading this chapter. No word of a lie. Reading this chapter last night about moderation in this book. And basically what he's saying is that when you have um, a drink, your brain acts in a certain way and it causes you to feel anxiety. So once you've had your one drink or your two drinks when you plan to stop you actually don't go, when the alcohol wears off, you don't go back to feeling like you did before you had the drinks. You actually feel slightly anxious and slightly depressed. And because you feel like that, you want to carry on drinking. And that is why it is so difficult to stop drinking after one or two because you're kind of, I don't like the way I feel now, so I'm going to carry on drinking. I just wanted to throw that one in because I'm like, Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? That was part of my moderation. I mean, there's so
1: many theories behind the reasons why we are, like why we are rubbish drinkers. I mean, why we carry on doing something we hate for so long. There's got to be so many reasons behind it, haven't there? Yeah, there are. There's so many. And I mean, just reading that was interesting. And I know
2: you've got some other bits as well that are quite interesting. Um, But there was just one other thing that I wanted to add to that, and that was, um, you know, I always remember when I was trying to moderate, I was so desperate to do it. If there was one wish, one wish I could have in my whole life, it would have been to be able to moderate. That is what I wanted more than anything in the world to moderate with alcohol.
1: So it was like a dream. It was like a daydream. It it was a
2: dream and I tried for it and I couldn't get it. But if you gave me one
1: wish, it would have been that. And what about now, Lucy? Now you're seven months sober nearly. I mean, do you still wish one day you could be a moderate drinker?
2: I would love to be. Yeah, I'd love to be. But I know, I absolutely know 100%
1: I couldn't be. And that knowing, I guess, is enough, isn't it? Because you get to know your behaviour. You know yourself by now. Hmm. You know yourself after 26 years of binge drinking, that that behaviour... It's just so repetitive and boring, as we talked about in the last podcast. You know that behavior, and you're just going to be kidding yourself if you think that's going to happen one day. I've got no intentions of trying to attempt that ever again in my life because that's what you've been doing for years. Yeah, what's the point? What's the point? But what about
2: you? What about you? Tell us about your moderation and how wonderful
1: you were at it. Yeah, I was amazing. (laughs) One drink in on the bus on the way home. That was it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not at all. (laughs) I call it the moderation pixie because I. I felt like when I was drinking that there was almost like an outside force that was making me drink more. It was almost like a horrible little pixie cackling on my shoulder going, go on, you know you're going to do it anyway. Come on, join the party, have some fun. You can't moderate, you can't moderate. So I, I would find myself at the beginning of an evening trying to ignore the pixie that was on my shoulder and trying to pretend to be a good drinker. So I'd sit with my first glass of wine, take a sip, you know, with my pinky finger sticking out, looking all sophisticated, like something out of a, the Great Gatsby or something. <laughs> Although I probably didn't look like that. I'm sure you pulled it yeah. off one I think if you poke your finger out, it, it means you look like something out of the Great Gatsby. I don't know where you heard that, but no. yeah, okay. All That's right. how I felt. <laughs> and I just thought, right, look at me now, look at me, everybody. I can drink this drink, this one drink very, very slowly. Look how good I am at moderating. But after that second drink, after that first drink, rather, I was leaning into what the pixie had to say. And the pixie would be saying, come on you know you want another one, don't be boring, enjoy yourself, you you deserve another drink. So I would start leaning into him, like, what's the pixie going to tell me? And by the end of the night, the pixie was my best mate. Yeah, like yeah.
2: everybody in the room. Yeah, I was doing the conga <laughs> with him. He sounds like a right old bastard. Yeah,
1: no, it was a good laugh, actually. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's the one who got you in all the trouble. Yeah, he was. He was having the time of his life yeah, watching I you quite make liked a the pixie. of yourself. Nothing
1: I mean, more amusing I, than watching it, someone else make yeah. a fool of himself. The pixie was sat on a horrible little podium, pointing and laughing <laughs> yeah. at me by the end of the night. Dance harder. <laughs> yeah. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, I didn't like the Pixie the next day. I can tell you that. I felt pretty awful. So, what, what I'm saying is that I, my moderation was having one drink and then getting the ball. And then getting the other bottle and then just going into every other night. So it was hard. I think I was trying to prove to myself that I could moderate during that very short period of having that one glass. But then I never, ever did. Having that first drink meant I carried on. So I think in my brain, every time I went out, I was like, yeah, everything in moderation. That always comes up, doesn't it? Everything in moderation. Mm. So I thought, I can be that person. Everything in moderation. I deserve to have a few drinks. Yes. But of course that wasn't the case case. and I mean you just said something about you know when
2: in the time it takes to have that first drink and I think that's really important here because it is quite incredible how everything can change Mm. in the time it takes to drink a glass of wine or a beer gosh how can you change so massively and when I have never done heroin I will just put that out there disclaimer I've never done heroin but I've obviously seen people take it on on shows and on movies and things. And I often would liken that to how I felt after I had just one drink. It just was such a massive release. I could almost feel the alcohol running through my body and making everything feel a million times better just from that one drink. It's such a powerful drink and it changes everything. And if you're like us, you really can have brilliant intentions One drink, what happens in that time, is quite incredible and it changes everything and that's where the problem starts when it comes to finding the stop button and the moderation as well. It reminds me of
1: those water towers. You know the water towers you used to watch on TV getting exploded Do you ever used to watch that, like the crumbling of these? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was always on Blue Peter or something. (laughs) I used to be up and solid like those water towers at the beginning of the evening. After that one drink, it was like I had been exploded. That is the difference. It was like everything had crumbled and I was like, my elbow was being twisted in every direction. I was like, yeah, let's go up to the bar. Why have another drink? Let's get the bottle and a round of shots. There was nothing in between. It was like, I'm either going to do this or I'm not. I'll have one drink. Now I'm in. Let's yeah. party. And that's it. And it's just all over just like that, isn't yeah. it? But, I mean, we do
2: sound pretty weak here. Because yeah, we, we are. Weak. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we go out and we're absolutely useless at moderating, can't handle just one drink, have to have the bottle. But we did try bloody hard, yeah. didn't we? And yeah. we, we? We had methods that we tried yes. to moderate. And I think probably people listening are probably trying those methods right now if they're trying to stop. So we thought we'd share with you some of the ways we've tried to moderate um, in the past.
1: None of them worked. None of them worked, no. (laughs) But we're going to let you know what they were anyway. Want to go first? Yeah, so I tried water between wines to slow down. That was my way of... Oh, that old chestnut. Oh, yeah, that old beauty. (laughs) That old load of old bullshit. Until
2: you got too pissed and you were drinking a wine in between the wine. (laughs) Or a
1: shot in between the wines. Water, what's that? Yeah, I know, it's ridiculous really because actually I saw probably you know um drank a lot of water which actually made me feel sick and I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes as well when mm, I was drinking yeah. so a lot of water a lot of wine a lot of cigarettes I was always vomiting but then I would carry on so it didn't make any difference how much liquid I was drinking because it was never <laughs> going to make me the better the next day because I'd always already vomited it yeah. all up anyway so I mean it was never going to work no, you, you were onto a losing. Yeah, I just went to the, the toilet street, more. Yeah, that
2: was it. Well, you went to the toilet via the bar more. Yeah, yeah, that was it. It was like a circle I went. Yeah. So that one doesn't really work, does a it? A well trodden path.
1: Like yeah. I, I also tried sipping instead of necking, which. I mean, my ex-boyfriend used to call me the gulper. Yeah, my dad calls me that. Okay, How's funny. No my dad way. calls me a
2: gulper. Not so much with, with um, alcohol, but with any with any drink. With any drink, I like a
1: good gulp. So, do you gulp orange squash yeah, as well? Gulp anything. I gulp anything, anything as well. I'm Maybe a gulper.
2: That, well, funny. <laughs> oh my god, we just a, fellow new. A, gulp, a fellow gulper. A fellow gulper. <laughs> but we're actually next next podcast, we're actually going to talk about traits of the heavy drinkers. Yes. Uh so maybe a gulp <laughs> a big gulper yeah. could be included thirsty. in. Thirsty.
1: I'm really thirsty. Yeah. Like if I've got thirst on, I'm gonna gulp it down. Yeah. And it was the same with alcohol, it didn't make any difference. That drink was going down the hatch, mm. especially if it felt like I'd really deserved it. I mean, a, a beer didn't last very long in the glass, I can tell you that. No. So sipping instead of necking never worked because I was I was really into it and I wanted to get to the next drink. So it never hit the spot. I was always the gulper and I just wanted to get that drink down. So even though I attempted it, it lasted probably one sip. Um, also, I tried... Being mindful of my first glass, which we've already talked about, pretending to be a normal drinker. So I was just trying to trick everybody that actually I could, I could, you know, moderate when, of course, I couldn't. Um, timing drinks was another one I did, not before 6 a.m. Oh, sorry, 6 p.m. Not, oh. on, not on Wednesdays, <laughs> not on Tuesdays. You know, anything that made me look like I was trying. Um, but I always wanted more. It never worked. What about you? (laughs) At least you gave it a go, I gave it a go. I pretended for as long as I could. (laughs) But looking back, don't you think, God, you were getting nowhere close? I was getting nowhere. But at least I was trying. I don't know. I I was obviously aware I was an over-drinker. Even though I was never willing to admit that to myself, I was aware of it. But because everyone's around you doing the same thing, I mean, it's impossible to, to... point That out to yourself, isn't and it? And we try so desperately for so long because we don't want to
2: face facts that we, that we have to give
1: up. Of our course. Together. Yeah. Classic <laughs> hiding behavior. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Look, similar
2: ones for me, Vic, you know, water, <laughs> timings, yeah. um, eating a meal, a full meal before I go out. That's definitely going to help when I drink a litre of vodka. That's yeah. really going to help. Um, you know, also things like commitments. So, oh, I can't drink too much tonight. I've got work tomorrow morning, or I've got to get up with the kids, or I've got the kids. Now, nah, didn't matter. After I'd had one or two drinks, I may as well have not been a mum. I may as well have not had a job. Nothing else mattered other than getting another drink into me. And that was just a feeling that got exacerbated the more that I drank.
1: Why is it that those nights when you go out and you have really good intentions and you're like, right, I've got to work tomorrow, guys. I can only stay out for one drink why is it those are the nights that are the best nights? Oh, yeah. They're the nights that you're like, I've got to go, I've got to go, but I can't because I'm having so much fun. Like, at least you think you're having so much fun. But is that because you know you're not going to get up in the morning already? Like, do you sort of deep inside you know that you're never going to go to work tomorrow and you may as well just stay and have a... And it sort of feels like a rebellion because you know you're not going to work so you may as well stay yeah, out and have a good just time dropped, anyway.
2: You've dropped all the commitment that you made to yourself and you feel yeah. free so you just keep drinking. Just keep going. And it happened so early on for me. You know, I didn't really get very far with that positive thinking that I was going to go home. You know, after two drinks someone would say, oh, just leave the car here or mm. oh, don't worry about the phone in sick and We're that was yeah. all... Yeah, all right. Yeah. That was it. Done. Yeah. <laughs> I just needed a, a mere hint of a whisper... Yeah. and I was I was fine to carry on drinking. It was that bloody pixie again, wasn't it's it? It's that bloody pixie. Stay out, yeah. and stay I, out, yes, Lucy. I, I think he's got a brother. No, <laughs> because I've got a feeling his brother was on my shoulder for all those years, little yeah. bastard, because yeah. it was like that. It was like an outside force was, yeah. um, was, was trying to get me onto a different path than the one I intended to stay on. I can remember once going out for afternoon drinks with some friends and I actually specifically put some food in the oven that had to come out an hour and a half later to make sure that I got... Because if I didn't get home, it would have burned and yeah. it could have set fire to the oven. I don't know what might have happened, but that was the only way I knew I'd go home. But I think I may have gone home, turned off the oven and gone out again. So I was getting to the point of I was doing some quite ridiculous things to try and limit and moderate and put boundaries around my drinking... Mm. Like you, Vic, none of them were working, looking back. I kind of thought I was making a dent in it, but mm. I wasn't. Um, and another thing that I did as well was, um, you know, I used to go for quite a few health checks at the doctor. Um, and, you know, this is a big one for me to admit, actually, but I used to kind of hope there was something wrong with my liver. I hope hope that the doctor would say you know, you've done some damage, you've got to stop drinking. I think because I knew even then that I needed I needed a really big scare. Nothing was working. Um, so a moderation yeah. tactic for me was go and get my
1: liver checked in the hope that there was <laughs> something wrong with it. Oh, well, that is just crazy when you think about it, isn't it? It's basically yeah. you, need, you need a doctor in a white coat to say to you, you stop drinking or you're going to die. Yeah. And that is the only way that you are going to listen. Mm. I wonder if you would have listened if he had said that or you would have been like, oh, he's just a crappy doctor. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go whatever. and see someone else. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go and get another opinion. <laughs> I'll go and get a drink
2: first. No, but yeah, that was how I felt. And when I was told there was everything was okay, I have to admit that there was a slight sense of disappointment because my one hope of stopping yeah. had gone. Yeah. So that was one of my forms of trying to moderate by yeah. somebody telling me you've got to sl- stop or slow down.
1: I don't know why we were listening to a pixie, Lucy, because I've got some news for you. There are no such things as pixies. Oh, so, you only think that because you read children's
2: books yeah, still. I
1: think I'm living in a fairy tale, to be honest, <laughs> most of the time. but No,
2: I've only just realised there are fix- pixies because there was one on my shoulder all of those years. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't burst my bubble. I'm going to blame this all on that pixie, yeah. you know, this whole 25 drinking business of mine. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't
1: me, it was well, the pixie. I think the pixie we, we will eventually all find out is... unfortunately, the pixie lives inside my brain. I've discovered. Yeah, yeah, they are a bit
2: pointy. They are a little (laughs) bit pointy. I'd never noticed that before. And
1: I do get very excitable around Christmas time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So we are the pixies, and thank God we don't drink anymore because we've been nightmare pixying around together. Yeah, we we would. Thank God if we'd
1: met if we'd met when we were pixies. in our little pointy hats, <laughs> there would have been trouble. There would have been trouble, a lot of trouble. <laughs> so the question is, Lucy, why? Why were we so crap at moderation? What do you think? Well, I guess it's just that feeling of wanting more.
2: And, is you know, is that an addiction? Is it because we want to numb out trauma or a bad day and, and one isn't enough to make us forget? Or is there something in our bodies that's, like, pushing us to keep on drinking? Um It's hard to know, but there are probably a few points. In fact, we put a few bits together earlier, some suggestions around this. And one of the things um, that keeps us wanting more and making us say crap at moderation is the environment that we're in. Yeah, so even
1: going into a pub for me, the whole environment was exciting. For me, people around people that I knew, Mm -hmm. the barman pulling, you know, pulling a pint, all those things that, you know, I suppose it's like the paraphernalia of drinking is what, was part of the fun and being around people that were drinking and the smell of soggy beer mats. Yeah, and, I was just gonna say ashtrays, yeah. all of those things. Yeah, the smell of a pub,
2: yeah. a, a good old English pub for yep. us because we both grew up in the UK and, and and were very um entwined in pub culture, which is a nice way of putting it. Yeah. Um but yeah, God, that smell of mm. stale beer soaked into Lovely. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, that really makes me fancy <laughs> and we may be laughing but yeah it's true yeah I mean very nostalgic so yeah your environment so if you're in an environment where you're used to drinking it's re- and that's why we have to sometimes stay away from those environments yeah. whilst we're stopping and we talked about that haven't we about- yeah because
1: those environments sort of egg you on like I do, why yeah. if I'm in that environment why would I leave because I have some good sort of mental connotations with that environment it's somewhere where I want to be it's somewhere where I guess you feel loved where mm. with everybody around You, there's a warm feeling, there might be a nice fire going. All of it is very endearing, isn't it? So, why would you want to leave? Why would you want to have one drink? Mm. But is there a chance that we could feel those feels? And just have that one drink or have no drinks. Like that's what we're learning now, yeah. isn't it? Well we, we, well, we certainly couldn't. I mean, I could probably go into a pub. Well, I would
2: go into a pub now and not have a drink. It wouldn't feel right because I spent too many years going into pubs and drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where you have to sort of change where you go and things like that. So, environment. Feel the awkward and do it anyway for there, yes, for sure. Yes, that's yeah. it. Exactly. And, yeah, so the other thing, of course, which makes it really difficult um, to moderate is our drinking culture.
1: Yeah, so drinking culture, I mean you're surrounded by people that are heavily boozing, so you don't want to look like the odd one out. They're not having one drink, why should you? Mm. Yeah, So that's hard to get yeah. out of.
2: And, and you know, we're taught that to socialise, you need to drink. It's all on the TV adverts. There's big bottle shops everywhere. So drinking culture makes it really, really difficult. There's also things like family traits and habits.
1: That's one for you, Yeah, so maybe, you know, there is such a thing as it being hereditary. There is probably an aspect of that for some people. Mm. I do believe that Definitely, in yeah. some parts. And also growing up around heavy drinkers, I mean you know, people that don't moderate, then you're always going to learn from your peers. So I, get, I definitely, definitely was around people who, who overdrank a lot. So, yeah, I definitely feel that that was the reason why I couldn't moderate. Yeah, mm, yeah.
2: and for me, the other way was I, I grew up um, in a family of pretty much non-drinkers. and <laughs> So I don't, there's not necessarily a correlation, is there, around no. that? So yeah, you can't always put it on that. So these, these are just points that could have a play a part they could in, be in factors. why you're struggling to yeah. moderate. There's also trauma,
1: Yeah, so maybe one isn't enough to numb out any pain that you're feeling or or any self-awareness or something from the past. So one will probably get you going a little bit and start making you feel better if you're feeling a bit down about something or you do have a void within you. But, you know, two is definitely going to get rid of that void and then three and four and five You know, you're in a blackout and you don't have to think about all those awful things that you were thinking about before. So definitely there's something there to do with trauma and using alcohol to numb something out. Yeah, and the, and the ironic thing
2: is, so often we use we drink alcohol to make ourselves feel happy. I mean, I know that um, I've suffered with depression for a long time, and you know, I've never felt as good as I have when I've stopped drinking. And I thought that alcohol was the thing that was helping me through. The ironic thing is, and also I'm reading in this Alcohol Explained book that I've got in front of me. <laughs> it's a book of the week, yeah, um, by William Porter. You know that it does make you feel more depressed, and so you think you're drinking to feel better, to get rid of your depression and your trauma, but it's going to do nothing but make you feel
1: worse. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: so after a couple of drinks, you actually feel worse, which is why you have to carry on drinking. Gosh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah totally makes sense, doesn't yeah. it? And can I just say again how weird that I was reading it last night oh, in know. bed and just before this podcast? Okay, and what about um there's well, yeah, we've got a little bit on this actually. We want to talk about the physical addiction. Um, yes, yeah, so we m- want to take some of the blame off yeah, of us. Yeah, take the blame off us. <laughs> nothing to do with us, it's where we were
1: born. Um, my sister Louise, she out to Louise. She's 20 years sober. She got sober through AA. She was a very similar drinker to me, a binge drinker. And she went to AA 20 years ago. She's now, I think, I think it's like 22 years. Um, I actually phoned her this week to ask her opinion on moderation. And she told me uh, about a chapter of the AA big book, which is called The Doctor's Opinion. Um, And this is I'm going to read you what she said. Um, So this is my sister, Louise. Once you take that first drink, you set up a craving that is impossible to resist. They talk about it being an allergy and that it really makes sense to me. The penny dropped and this realisation that if an alcoholic was a person who who once take a drink, sets up a craving and can't stop, then that's me. That's what goes on in my body every time I take a drink. It doesn't mean I'm lying in the gutter drinking a bottle of vodka. It's just when I take that first drink, there's a physical change that I become powerless over alcohol. It's that simple. It also helped me to have some compassion for myself to realize that I am one of those people who has an adverse reaction to alcohol. You either do or you don't. You can either drink in moderation or you can't and that's it. So that comes from Doctor's Opinion. So what Louise says is that it made her realise that it definitely is the first drink that does the damage. If you don't pick up that first drink, you can't get drunk. It's that simple. It also made her realise that the word alcoholic, as it is understood before with all its judgments and stereotypical imagery and associations, was merely in fact a description of a person who has an allergic reaction to that first drink, rendering them powerless over alcohol. After hearing this explanation, my sister realised that she perhaps sat on that alcohol spectrum, and she stood up in her first AA class and said, "I'm Louise, and I'm an alcoholic." And that was 22 years ago. Go Louise! Go Louise! Yeah,
2: yeah. A little shout out. For yeah, Louise. amazing. She's amazing. Years, yeah, yeah, amazing.
1: So that really that makes me wonder if the definition of a, the definition of an alcoholic is actually someone that can't moderate. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and
2: so, like she said there, some people are able to have it one drink and leave it at that and some people just aren't.
1: Yeah. Is it really as simple as that? Yeah, what is we- there a, a physiological component to this as well? Mm. And what we were talking about earlier is that, you know, it does take a, a, a sense of blame away because it you, does, yeah. you feel like a failure when you, you try to do something and then you fail at it. You're trying to moderate and you can't. So therefore you are going to feel a sense of failure and that probably kicks in with that a hangover anxiety, that sense of, of course, gosh, I only went yeah. out for one drink and look at the bloody state I, you know, ended up with a savaloy in my top pocket. Yeah. So, and and it
2: is, it's like a, a sense of self-loathing, mm. you know, hate, and all of this brings you to drink more because you do feel like a failure. So, I, you know, I've 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 done a couple of AAs. It, it didn't actually for, for me AA wasn't what got me through to, to sobriety, but I did um I did like that what Lou said because I think it really helps us to understand that, you know, it, it, we were almost trying to do the impossible. Yeah, we weren't built like that. We weren't built to be able to to have one drink and stop. And yet yeah, just talking about failure, it's it's always accompanied by a variety of emotions, things like embarrassment, anxiety, anger, sadness and shame. And those feelings, you know, they're so uncomfortable and many people will do anything they can to escape that emotional turmoil. We pick up a drink and we try again because we just can't imagine life without alcohol and we don't want to have to face the fact that we're failing so Mm. much in this thing that we're so desperate to do. And what was my one wish of all time? I just couldn't get it. And I tried and I tried. I'm one of those people who, if I want something, I
1: try bloody hard to get it and I usually will. Isn't that funny that you can be so successful in so many areas of your life? Yeah. But that one thing, there's definitely got to be a physical, logical thing behind it as well because there's that one thing you can be a you know a really functional human yeah. but there's this one thing you cannot control mm.
2: and finally and even even a functioning alcoholic or a functioning heavy drinker I mean I was definitely a high functioning drinker I was able to to work build a business be a mom all of this stuff you know that's quite a feat. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't stop after one or two drinks. It was was just impossible. And so hearing that from Louise, I think it it helps me to understand. I wish I'd heard it earlier. Yeah, I I think
1: think it's a variety of components, though, isn't it? It is that and it is many other things. It might not be that for you. It might be that for someone else. And it's, you know, it, it's it's a variety. It's like a pie chart of, you know, tiny little, little triangles, of, little yeah. right. environment, culture, all of these things added together that make you into an over-drinker. And I do think all of these things have, have you know, there's a reason behind them and yeah. it's well, interesting. Actually, um, in 2017, there was a study published
2: in the Journal of Behavioural Decision-Making, a little bit more research done well, here. Yes. We were, we we're on fire, the aren't cyclopedias we? Encyclopedias are
1: out again. yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it says you shouldn't feel bad after failure. Now, that's quite hard, uh, but researchers discovered that thinking about your emotions rather than the failure itself is more helpful. So, I mean, that sort of is something that we, looking back, did use. We didn't realize at the time, but all our failed attempts at moderation were actually all piling up.
1: Yeah, and and, we did. And giving
2: us some strength to give up eventually.
1: Yeah. Allowing yourself to feel bad is actually motivating. I mean, it is, I couldn't yeah. I didn't know that at the time. No. <laughs> it can help you work harder to find better solutions so that you'll improve next time. So each failed attempt is working towards something better. Mm. That's what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: And I think that I would would have done anything for somebody to to be listening to a podcast with someone saying that to me. Yeah. 15 years ago. Were there podcasts around 15 years ago? No, it was just
1: the radio. Radio 4. It was 4. the radio.
2: Well, couldn't someone yeah.
1: have told us? Terry Wogan.
2: Couldn't <laughs> probably does
1: Where's doesn't Terry mean Wogan when you need that, him?
2: That might not mean a lot to no, me. No, sorry,
1: it's for very English, 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 English reference podcast. there. I feel you're making too but, many English references. The, but yeah, sorry, there's a. I'm English, what can I do? Sorry, Aussies. <laughs> Kangaroos. Does that make up wallabies? For it? Yeah, Wallabies. There like you that. go. <laughs> um,
2: anyway. The fact is, each as much as we didn't realise at the time, each failure was actually motivating us to get sober, um, unbeknown to us. Yeah. Um, and so let's just talk a little bit about that. Do you want to just
1: tell us how that was happening for you? So... I think I was pretending to moderate. So I didn't really take note of my failure, but I knew I was failing. It's a funny thing. Mm. Um, My attempts at moderation were an excuse to not totally give up drinking is what I realise now because I couldn't see out of that drinking bubble. I couldn't see a life for me without being that social butterfly, without being sort of inebriated in every social situation I've ever been in. So moderation for me... Um, even though it was probably motivating me to get sober every failure, I never clocked onto it. So I just used it as a way of people saying, Look, you're not an alcoholic, you're just a fun time girl. Mm. So it all got sort of messed up in 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 my failures was was it was just a very hard thing to show people because I was I was pretending. It was a it was a fake persona. Mm. I had a, a a smile plastered across my face with one glass, knowing that I was going to get totally wasted. Little so, finger out. Little finger out. And, yeah. Pixie on the shoulder. Yeah, big <laughs> grin on my face, pretending to do well. And then the same person that was going, oh, isn't she, isn't she a moderate drinker? Look at her, she's having one glass. That is the same person that was holding my ponytail at the end of the night as I vomited <laughs> into the toilet. So I never kept up my persona for very long. Mm. Um, but I guess all of those moments were what, Brought me to this point now, which is interesting, isn't it? Pretending it is. to moderate while I knew I couldn't, but in the back of my mind, probably at least I was trying
2: you were trying and a really genuine
1: attempt it's it was. only looking back that you can say it just wasn't. they were genuine for about five minutes but there was there is that good intention that's why it's so crazy that it goes so wrong so yes I'm going to do well <laughs> I'll be on the bus going out Go, oh, I'm going to do so well tonight I'm going to drink well mm-hmm. I'm going to be so you know just have one and then everyone I'll remember everything and then I'll just pop on the bus on the way home but it wouldn't I'd be never. at an after party never. you know rolling around in the bush so it just never happened That
2: seems to almost be a correlation about how if if your intentions were ultra strong, (laughs) and then you would make an ultra mess of the night. However hard you tried with your intention, the more wrong the night would go. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've put so much thought and effort into it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. That You have an epic fail. But, yeah, I mean, for me, I was motivated by um, all of my attempts to moderate um, more and more as time went by. I guess that, you know, I was trying to moderate when I was... All the way back there in my twenties, I was trying to moderate. Yeah. But then when I woke up and I when you were hungover, <laughs> they're the best moderations. Yeah. Oh, I'm not drinking yeah, today. Never, yeah, well, I'm at least not drinking for the next two hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, hold on, it might make me feel better. Yeah, what do you say? You
1: got a can of Red Stripe? I'm in. <laughs>
2: hair of the dog I mean hair of the dog was te- maybe yeah. we should do a podcast about that because Yeah. oh god that was the only thing that got me through sometimes what a terrible thing that was but yeah I mean in your 20s when you haven't got kids and you haven't got that much of an important job you know you can you can get away with not going into work or just going to work and just like hanging at, the, at your desk doing nothing Yeah. when you get older it's not a good look anymore maybe people didn't do that though
1: Lucy maybe it was just you and yeah, I, I, mean, I that did that it probably was probably it had was... people had quite functional I... lives in their 20s compared to <laughs> To us, whereas they were probably learning and educating themselves and furthering their lives. In, themselves. Yeah, I was just watching Countdown in bed, yeah. like with a terrible hangover, or organising to go out. So yeah, or yeah. making
2: sure you got out before the bottle shop closed. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah. So actually, yeah, there are people out there that probably had very successful twenties and thirties. I'm sure they did. Where they weren't <laughs> drinking like we were. And Yeah, as we've worked out, our lives were just a complete act. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, but yeah I mean for me as well each one was getting worse Um, each attempt and each failure was making me feel worse and worse and as you have kids and a family and you've got a job that you have to get you know you, you've got responsibilities financial responsibilities and responsibilities to your kids and these failures um, which may be just the same as the failures of 10 years before they just seem so much worse I mean I, I know my anxiety definitely got worse further along I went with my drinking but also my children who are now teenagers were becoming more aware so that that epic fail at moderation was um, was emphasized by the fact that they knew you know, all about it. They'd seen seen me be drunk and that was something that I really hated. So, yeah, I mean, um, as time went by and each failure um, <laughs> hit blow by blow. Yeah. Um, they were getting worse and worse.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that anxiety, the same as me. I mean, it's amazing how long you can ignore that for and blame it on other things. But that really is your body crying out for help, like to say, like moderation is failing. My body was, was you know, was screaming at me from within to to to... Stop moderating, I guess, mm. because moderation wasn't working, so therefore I was causing myself to have massive anxiety. So now we've looked at the reasons why moderation doesn't really work and how really it is that first drink that sets off the craving for more. Now perhaps we can try and understand why tempting moderation and failing at it isn't actually a total waste of time. It can motivate us and it is a hugely important part of this sober journey. I think Lucy and I str- um, struggled. Uh, our struggle was to moderate. Are really the reasons why we got sober? Mm.
2: Yeah, they are absolutely. Because um, if we hadn't had that many failures and that many disasters and that many times that we sort of you hate yourself in the morning, you would just carry on drinking. But really, looking back, we needed to have those those struggles to say enough is enough. And I think for me, one of those moments of, of I'm really over this is that. <laughs> and this really resonates with the, what you just read out from Louise, is that I realised that I was trying to achieve the impossible. Mm. I, I was not capable of moderation. And what Louise, um, the quote that Louise gave you to read out today is actually saying that some of us are physically not capable of it. I didn't realise that. Mm. Had I known that earlier, It might have been a different story, Uh, but I I just couldn't do it. And I tried and tried. And just another thing as well that I think is quite relevant here is that I actually stopped for three months, probably about two years ago now. And it was the longest I'd stopped drinking ever other than when I was pregnant. And... um, so after the 3 months I had very good intentions I'm sure you can imagine of going back and being a moderate drinker. I thought 3 months of not drinking I'll go back into it and you know I'm going to be this drinker I've always dreamed about. Finally my dream's going to come true. Yeah. Oh man did that not happen. You know mm. I I just went back into drinking with exactly the same vigor and enthusiasm um, that I left it and I actually found it much harder to be in that time when I'm moderating my drinking. It was just so much easier just to have given up altogether. There was just a clear line. Mm. I knew where I stood. And I realised that during those three months, my head had been free of thinking about drinking and that constant, monotonous, boring, nagging... Mm. Um,
1: Preoccupation, that yeah. ..that you get
2: onto about drinking had gone. And as soon as I finished that three months I was back on it and I realized that that moderation was a problem it wasn't working and it was exhausting to try and fail
1: what you made me realize there Lucy as you're talking is that I think maybe moderation because if you'd given yourself over to drink like you said you were trying to moderate because it was either one thing or the other so maybe moderation is actually what saved you because what you're saying is if you hadn't tried to moderate it was the only other option was to completely give yourself over to alcohol, which meant you would have gone down a really, really quick spiral. So moderation is perhaps what has saved you and brought you out yeah. of that spiral and inspired you to to take care of yourself. So there is an element there of you saying, I was taking care of myself. I'm trying to moderate, so therefore I care about myself. Yes, exactly. So that's fascinating really because That is what has drawn you out from just going, right, I'm just going to get drunk. Mm. I'm just going to get every time I go out, I'm just going to drink and I'm going to get drunk because I never thought that Mm. because I knew somewhere deep inside that wasn't the right thing to do, to go out and just get absolutely plastered. I always thought I'll just have a few and I'll try and be good. But really, that is our body and our minds and something telling us, not the naughty pixie, yeah. you care about yourself something, and you yeah. are worthy of not getting totally mm. drunk. So, yeah, there is some, a niggling feeling there, isn't there, yeah. of, of we do care about ourselves some way, even though we felt like we probably didn't at the time, we do care about how we yeah. are. Yeah. And it was that little thing that pulled us back and eventually yeah. led to sobriety. Yeah, I mean, failing at moderation, for me, convinced me I had a problem. So it's, it's that same yeah, thing of, yeah. of me repeating the same old patterns, uh, yeah. getting drunk even though I was trying not to. It convinced me in the end that I had a problem with alcohol. Being rubbish at moderating forced what me was, to seek professional what was that help. great quote that you had? Um, the
2: uh, Einstein uh, one. Was it the one? Yeah, the, what, the definition of madness is just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Something like that anyway. Yeah. Is that Einstein? I, I think I, it's
1: Einstein, yeah. But
2: yeah, I mean, that's what we were doing, the same thing over and over. And over again, and that is, is it a real madness. <laughs> Neil Armstrong. No, I'm oh, I watched a brilliant movie about yeah, Neil yeah. Armstrong. Yes, good. Yeah,
1: it's good. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. I have watched that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, failing at moderation is what leads you to seek professional help, which is always our message on this podcast. Is mm. is if your body is screaming out like that, if you're yeah. failing at moderation, it means you need help. It means you need someone to step in and help you with the problem that you can't solve yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So
2: I mean, I have really hope that people listening are thinking, okay, you know. I I can't moderate, I keep trying, I can't do it, then you might feel like a a failure, but this could be the beginning of your journey to sobriety. So maybe have a think about that and and maybe be kinder to yourself, like we were, obviously, at one point looking back, because we tried so hard to moderate and that led us to sobriety. Be kind to yourself and recognise that maybe, just maybe you weren't built to moderate you weren't hmm. built for one or two drinks and the only way that you can do this is by giving up altogether
1: and yeah. that's actually an okay thing isn't it Vic? yeah it is it's the best thing i mean it's the best thing that we've both done and admitting that we can't moderate is, is what's led us down this path, yeah, I guess.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, we couldn't have done that it's no, a really, couldn't have done really it. crucial, it's crucial point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, crucial. I can't moderate, so I'm going to stop. Yeah.
1: Simple as. Yeah.
2: And that's the only way forward for a lot of us.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about here a lot of these, you know, the science facts, all of, all of these reasons why, environment, culture and everything. But really... What it comes down to is you taking responsibility for yourself and you reaching out for help. And, and no matter what science or otherwise, it has to be your choice to stop. And yeah, I think, you know, we blamed ourselves, We blame all these things. Mm. But actually, it's always going to come back down to you. It is, yeah. And so, and you are the only one that can solve your problems. Like I found out that, I, you know, I was blaming everything around me. I was like, oh, if I go into a pub, I'm going to have to drink. If I do this, I'm going to yeah. have to drink. Really, it was my responsibility. And only when I took responsibility for my drinking was I able to stop. Yeah, it's like everything in life, isn't it? You've got to take responsibility yeah. for the,
2: your part in it, and until yeah. you do that, you can't actually make change.
1: I'm not taking responsibility for that packet of biscuits last night, though.
2: Are you not? Well, like, you've got to. I'm no, sorry. I, I'm still
1: saying the kids ate them. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we've, got a few, yeah, we've got a few, <laughs> few tips and takeaways from our As we always do. Yeah. We yeah. like our little round-up, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. So I think I'll start, shall I, Lucy? Yeah, go for it. Don't beat yourself up about failing at moderation. It's all part of the process of becoming sober. And all those emotions you're dealing with when you do fail at moderation are really there to motivate
2: you into making some changes. So listen to the feelings and try to learn from
1: them. Remember, according to AA, there is a physical element to alcoholism too. So don't be too hard on yourself. Your brain is designed to want more after that first drink. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to make the changes. And if you're struggling with moderation, it might mean you have a problem with booze.
2: Then the best advice we can give you is to seek support. Find someone that can help you uncover all the reasons, be them physical or mental or anything else, as to why alcohol is no longer working for you.
1: You know what I'm going to say now, don't you, Lucy? (laughs) Go on. The only way to stop the cravings for more is to not have one. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. If it really is that first drink that does the damage, then the only way to stop failing is to stop drinking completely. Oh. Uh, it's disappointing, Boo. isn't it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Everyone's going to stop listening. Yeah, sorry. Now. Yeah, sorry, people.
1: <laughs> That's always going to be what we say. We're never going to say anything different. <laughs> I'm sure I can speak for Lucy and I when I say we both wish we'd acted sooner and not wasted yeah. so much time trying to moderate and so much time failing in moderation. Trying to achieve the impossible couple of quiet night drinks out meant we just felt like failures for many years.
2: We really we really did, yeah. We chose to ignore the obvious signs that we had a problem with booze because we wanted to fit into our environments and modern day drinking culture and we daydreamed of being normal drinkers and just normal in general. Yeah. <laughs> we never quite got there with that last no, bit, did we? No. We wasted so many years and many tears wondering why we weren't like everyone else when we could have been enjoying the amazing sober lives we have now. And we really do. Yeah, we do. (laughs) I I sort of sound like I'm preaching a bit there.
1: That's all right. We can preach a little bit. I mean, we're happier. I mean, we don't want to make people feel like we're depressed after giving up drinking because we're certainly not.
2: No, life is way better. Yeah, so, so don't keep failing. Listen to your body and be kind to yourself. Stop moderating if it isn't working and spend that time reading up
1: about sobriety instead. I heard a nice quote today. Oh, go on. You do like your quotes. I I love a little bit of a quote. (laughs) Sometimes the bad things that happen in our lives put us directly on the path to the best things that will ever happen to us. So you never know, not having that one drink might be the best decision you ever make.
2: Yay! Definitely yay. The, yeah. the best decision.
1: We, we're going to start a little book recommendation Ooh, yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end because we've, we, me and Lucy are big readers and even though I never have time to read, I, I do try to when I can. Um, I chatted to the lovely um, Lotta Dan this week. Um, she's going to come on the podcast at some point. She knows a lot about moderation. Her book, The Wine O'Clock Myth is a really good book, The Truth About Women and Alcohol. So we're going to recommend that today. And she also wrote a book called Mrs. D is Going Without, which is a memoir about being a boozy housewife and, and now not being one. So, yeah, she's from New Zealand. And we think we're probably going to have some guests on in the next series of Sober Awkward. So me and Lucy will be right trying to round up some some good people for you to hear from.
2: Yeah, and I'm just going to add on to that book. I know I mentioned it earlier, but the Alcohol Explained book by William Porter really great book if you just want to understand the effects that alcohol has on your body and mind and if if that's you know everybody needs to hear different things when they're giving up drinking um and this is a really good book if you want to scare yourself into stopping because you find out the truth about what alcohol is doing to you and i'm halfway through it now and love it yeah
1: i mean there's so many good books out there so many books that we can recommend and we'll definitely be doing one every time we record a show so Yeah. yeah So, yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. That was really fascinating, Lucy. I really love hearing about all the science and all of those things behind behind why... We are massive booze bags.
2: <laughs> and I know what will happen because it always happens. I'm driving home and think, oh, I wish I'd said this. I wish I'd yeah. said that. Oh, Dan, that was really important. Thing. I think I you've said enough. It oh, well, thanks, Vroom.
1: For... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we better go and check on Alan, actually, because I think he's gone into the into the bathroom on his own. He's
2: probably in a sulk because yeah. he's probably got hail damage. I mean, we've probably got hail damage on our cars. You don't see
1: us whinging. Oi, Alan, how's the car? Fuck. Got to love him. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward Podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative
2: way, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time for you to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist, or connect with a local AA or sobriety group. In fact,
1: Vicky's got a really great one. Yeah, it's the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. You can just search for that on Facebook. Lucy and I will both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, then you can too. For more support around sobriety, head to my website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've loved the Sober Awkward podcast,
2: don't forget to subscribe, rate, give a review and share it with your mates. But don't worry, we won't be angry if you don't. I might be a bit angry, Lucy. I
1: can't say that. No, they won't mind. No, it's just rude. No.
2: Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.
2: Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
1: So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuckuppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores.
0: We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are
1: there are there bad bookstores? Probably ones with Moody Moody what? sellers. Oh yeah, really yeah.
0: depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay. yes,
1: good. yes. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only
0: made it into the goodies.
1: <laughs> you can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think?